Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello and a massively warm welcome back to Style and Substance podcast, where today we are going to be talking about conversions. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, hello, my lovely. How are you? Do you know I'm really good? I finally got that whoosh of autumnal energy. It's kicked in. And I know. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm in that space. I think I said in my newsletter to anyone who's read it this week, it's like, I'm almost trying to keep up with myself because the whoosh is there. And my challenge yes. at the moment is, can we stay grounded? Can we just, just one foot in front of the other? Because sometimes, yeah, that energy just carries me away. And it, it's great. It's fantastic. As long as it's channeled yeah. in the right space, it's good. But switching off is a challenge, isn't it? I mean, I'm in the process of designing a Fiona Humberstone brand at long last. Oh. For the, for sort of the the more high-end consultancy that I do and I just you know I'll do a bit and then I'll just let it sit and then I'll just get something that comes to me and I'm like I have to go back and I have to do that and I found myself at nine o'clock on my computer last night making myself leave because (laughs) I just I know I won't sleep if I work after nine yeah yeah for me it's the other end of the day I know I know I'm in this energy when the notepad by the side of my bed you know gets filled up at 5am in the morning because it's just like you know I'm up that's it the ideas are going and then they have to be parked and then I can get into the day so yeah it's nice yeah. it's a nice feeling I'm yeah. making the most of it yeah it's lovely it's lovely and we are so excited I mean this will come out after it but Purpose and Possibilities is happening on Thursday and oh yes it's so what people need right now I think that's what makes me so excited about it and that is really what's driven today's episode isn't it yeah is what do you guys need right now and and we definitely want to hear more from you this next six weeks six months it's going to be challenging I imagine and so being able to support you in the way that you need and you know being able to be that hopefully positive motivating uplifting voice as well is something that we really want to do isn't it it's something I want to do in my own business and it's something that we both want to do together as well yeah absolutely and we are hearing quite we're getting quite a lot of input from people about the various challenges that they're facing at the moment and this has come up as a core one hasn't it so should we just get stuck in yeah yeah so conversion so I I had an email I sent out an email on Monday to my list and kind of said, look, I, I've got my own sense from what people are telling me, but I'd love to hear from you because obviously there's lots of people on my list that are quite quiet. And I don't mm. know whether this doom and gloom is just post-Brexit, cost of living crisis, UK related, or whether it is something that people are feeling quite globally. Mm. And 
my sense is, I mean, the engagement's been massive on this email and, and it's so good to get people's stories and they're still coming in, which is really lovely. So that's what we want to talk about today is how how do you convert more? How do you make sure that you get the most out of every opportunity you can? And at the same time, and this is, you know, so you're so good with this, is, you know, how do you stay sane when you don't really have much control over what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big piece. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about conversions. The first thing I think is to probably make that distinction, isn't it, between are you sensing that things are going to be tough because maybe things that you've had passively for sale on your website, maybe an online course, a downloadable meditation, something like that, a workshop maybe isn't selling? Or are you noticing the number of inquiries going down? Mm. Or are you noticing that people are still inquiring, but they're not buying? I think that's quite an important distinction to make. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think my clients are experiencing both of those things, possibly in equal measure, actually. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And the reason I think it's important to understand is because we know that in a recession, the economy shrinks, people retract, people stop spending money. Mm. What you and I also know is that that doesn't tend to happen forever. So people have a Mm. big pullback and then there comes a point where they they can't hold off decisions any longer or they realise that they need to be quite proactive. And actually, it's counterintuitive, but being proactive in a recession actually means that you come out ahead of the game. Yeah. You know, the sad truth is there's going to be less businesses in your industry at the end of this mm. than there were when we started. So actually, you you know, if you can innovate fight refine hone yeah and for me that just provides a bit more grit and a reason Mm. to bring your a-game to something yeah because if we fixate on the fact that we might not survive or that things are going to the wall then whether that is the truth or not the fixating on it absolutely doesn't help us get Mm. the ducks in the road do what we need to do show up with the a-game bring all of that vitality and make smart strategic decisions so as much as we can can face that fear and give it a good talking to and say thanks I hear you but not today I'm actually (laughs) cracking on (laughs) I think the better for all of us and that's not always easy you know I'm saying that in a very sort of lightly dismissive piece but if you're struggling to pay the mortgage and we're coming into the winter and we know the energy bills are going up it's not something that I'm saying we can spiritually bypass and take lightly and just pretend everything's rosy in the garden, but it's about very diligently facing that and getting it into a perspective that means that you're not paralyzed by it. And and that yeah. will take differing amounts of work for different people. Yeah. So if we start with this initial distinction of not generating enough interest in the first place, or as you mm. say, you've put something out there that, that's already in existence that people just aren't biting at that's very different from a genuine inquiry that you're not converting so how do we tackle this initial piece of not getting enough interest in either what's already there or what you're newly putting out that's an interesting one isn't it I mean such a big part of my business is online courses workshops Mm -hmm. that sort of thing where people aren't coming to me saying 
I'm about to rebrand and I'm trying to work out whether you're the person to help guide me through that or not. This, you know, it's, it's more of a, a push than a pull almost the online courses, the, the sort of the passive stuff really. Yeah. Because you know, it's needed. I know it's needed. I know they're valuable. So my approach with that side of things is start small, you know, type, make sure the sales page is compelling make sure the product and it is in its best possible form um make sure that the the copy and the design and everything on that sales page is as i say as compelling as it can be and then get more eyes on that page you mm. know so that's why i'm focusing on the stuff around seo and pinterest mm. i feel like I have very little control over that side of my business at the moment yeah you know I I think it is much harder to sell that kind of stuff right now um it's not a need that people know that they have that they're coming to me with so to put all those eggs in that basket I decided about a year ago would be pretty stupid Mm -hmm. because I just I can't control that stuff yeah, and it's a very, very noisy marketplace. And unless you are top of the SEO rankings or you're a brilliant marketeer, which a lot of people actually in business aren't, they might have a brilliant service and an excellent product, but they don't really have all of those routes to market nailed down, or maybe they're not a great networker, or you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges in getting eyes on those things, and the marketplace is noisier and people are being more discerning. So there's a lot against us in that. But I think there are some very key things you can do, like you say, creating a brand that you know cuts through, that you know is the best that it can possibly be, making sure that the product and this or the service really does meet a need that you know is there and tells that story in as compelling and as evocative and as innovative and imaginative and creative way as possible. And I think for me, that's where the more we can hone into our distinctiveness, the better and really own our magic. And and therefore the work as an entrepreneur is to really nestle into your authenticity. Who am I really? What is this business about? What's that connection? So I think authenticity becomes even more crucial and distinctiveness becomes even more crucial. And we have to do Mm. the work on finding that. We, We can't just relax into oh, it's okay, there's enough out there that if I'm not doing that work, it it will it will find me. Yeah. I think the other thing on that score is trying to separate in your mind these sensationalist stories of seven-figure launches and just taking the pressure off and focusing mm. on the long game and building yeah. trust and reputation and connection with your list and sort of trusting that you know those those sales will pick up again you don't need to be shouting at people you don't need hyperbole you don't need aggressive short-term sales tactics you know that that stuff will come or that that's certainly my approach is the people that are ready to buy the courses will buy them but there's not going to be as many impulse buys as there might have been in 2018 for argument's sake I think there's then a distinction between that kind of thing where you don't have a lot of control over that sort of thing and the people that are coming to you saying, 
I'm looking for a coach. How much do you charge? Yeah. Just one more thing on, you mentioned the list, because I think we're talking about two things with this initial interest. We're talking about getting fresh eyes on initially, which is where that SEO and all of that external stuff and maybe social media or what else you've got going on. But there's also this really crucial piece of building your own list. And I think the first point Mm. of conversion to look at is people who come across you and then getting them into that process. How do you get them so that you can start to have that initial conversation and start to build that trust? So that's the first point that I think a lot of us miss. You know, on websites, I see it on my clients all the time. Their invitation to join their newsletter is right at the bottom of a three screen roll homepage. Mm. And it's not compelling enough. And actually, if you want to start putting that work in of having the conversations and building the relationships, that needs to be the first door that you get them through. And I don't think enough people are prioritizing that at the moment. So I think that's the first bit. When people randomly come across you, how do you get them into the room to come and have a conversation? Yeah, that's such a good point. And we used to, so, you know, when you and I, started our businesses my newsletter was a big part of my marketing strategy and then I think we all got well blogging then became the big thing Mm. and then we all got a bit starry-eyed with Instagram and for a long time Instagram did the job of your newsletter so by you showing up as a florist sharing your work other people saying how beautiful it, it was when those brides were ready to make a decision they were so much further along the trust scale because they'd seen so many facets of your work they they'd got to know you they'd got to like you and they were ready to choose you yeah for most of us or certainly most most of my clients Instagram is no longer that space and we haven't really replaced it so unless you are sending doesn't have to be weekly like mine but unless you're sending at least monthly newsletters where you're sharing stories and some of your work Mm. how do people even remember who you are I mean it sounds bad but that that piece that newsletter it's such a core part absolutely and there are other ways to maintain those relationships I mean you've hit the nail on the head with how do they remember you This is the problem you're trying to solve. How do you become front of mind when someone is having a conversation about floristry or brand design or coaching or what have you? And there are multiple ways to do that because some people don't like to write. I mean, we are massive fans of newsletters and we both like to write, but my newsletter is much more sporadic than yours. But I use different ways of making sure that I'm the person that gets remembered. I spend Mm. a lot more time doing individual emails to past clients or to people in my network. I spend a lot more time contributing to other people's conversations on thought papers or those kinds of Mm. things. So my name is around, not a huge amount. So what you're saying is you make a deeper impact on people. (laughs) No, it's not that. It's just that what I suppose I'm trying to avoid is anybody sitting there going, but I have no idea how to write a newsletter. I hate to write. And if that's the Mm. only option, it can feel really paralyzing. There's podcasting. I mean, the podcast has done loads, hasn't it? There's all sorts of mechanisms if we think about the problem we're trying to solve is to be memorable and to have people have an experience of what it's like to work with us and if you hold that in mind how can you be creative around all of those things I do think newsletters are one of the very best ways to do that because it's so personal and now you can make them so beautiful yeah 
I mean, for me, that piece is about building a relationship. Yeah. It's about showcasing your value. Yeah. And it's, it is about being in the right place at the right time. So you might do that via TikTok. You might do it via, through Substack. You could do it through quarterly meetups. It could yeah. be networking. There's lots of ways that you can do it. It could be quarterly free seminars. You know, the, it doesn't have to be a newsletter, but, and also remember newsletters don't have to be written. So mm. as a florist, you might send out one paragraph and 10 photographs yes, yes just to inspire people it doesn't have to be a big essay mm. you don't have to be teaching people you need to add value but value might be inspiration it doesn't have to be yeah. learning absolutely not everything has to happen immediately and we certainly don't need to beat ourselves up if someone that's got a, an agenda to sell us their process is making us feel bad that we haven't achieved their sales figures. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So yeah. we'll just say no more on that. But it is what it is. And and you've got very little control over that side of things. But there's something a bit different, I think, then, about how do I convert someone that's coming to me saying, I need a coach, how much do you charge? Yeah. That to me is different because definitely that is someone that knows that they want a coach. Yeah. There's a couple of outcomes potentially from that. So you've you've answered their question and they either go with someone else. Yeah. They either don't move forwards at all or they delay on that decision. Yeah. Or they go with you hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's keep that fourth one in mind. <laughs> but if you're worried about conversions, well, let's talk about this. Is it helpful to know what's happened to your inquiries? So we talked in, the, in a previous episode about should you chase inquiries? Should you not? Mm. I think this is different. In this market, I'm not sure it's black and white, but is it helpful to know what the outcome was mm. so you know you send someone and we'll get onto media kits later but you send someone your media kit and you never hear from them for dust yeah so you know there's a certain level of blissful ignorance in not hearing you're too expensive I went with this other coach that's your arch nemesis I mean you would never have an arch nemesis but you know <laughs> I'm not sure that we always need to hear that stuff because I think it can massively dent our vision and our creative confidence. And I don't mean that in a like stick your hands over your ears and start singing to block out anything that's not palatable, but more just that if you've rooted your business in a place of authenticity and you know you're delivering value and you know that you're heading down the right path, then I know from experience with when I would follow up with my design agency, consistently hearing you were too expensive from someone that wasn't your ideal client and never had the budget to spend that money with you is actually really unhelpful. Yeah, I think this is a big if. So what you've said there is if you've rooted yourself in your core magic, if you know who your ideal audience is, if you are 100% sure that you've refined and you're doing what you do best 
then maybe there isn't. And actually, if you and I were talking about this, I'd be saying, no, Fee, there's no point in you asking because you're not actually going to change a lot of what you do now because you've worked really diligently on making sure the brand is positioned really well. You've made sure you know who your ideal muses are. You know your communication is tailored and you're checking and refining and reflecting all of the time. So for you, I do not want you hung up on somebody saying that's too expensive. And it can be a knock for any of us. But I do think strategically there is useful information in knowing what lands and what doesn't land. Yeah, If you are unsure that you've ticked all those boxes and you're genuinely wanting feedback and you do need to refine and you're not actually, maybe you're testing a new product or maybe you're fresh out of the gates. There's a big caveat with that one that I'll come back to. It can be useful to have to steal yourself. And we've covered this, I think, in the feedback episode Mm. as to how you handle that and whether you're ready for it. But to gain that information, because maybe you have pitched it at the wrong level. Maybe these are your ideal clients and you're missing a trick. Maybe there's something in your process that needs refining. So I wouldn't advise sticking your head in the sand. But I think if you are in a position where you are willing and ready to take that feedback and refine on the basis of it, then Mm. it, then it's useful market information, particularly if you're not converting anybody, (laughs) you know, because something's not right. If you're not converting anybody, something needs to shift. And it doesn't mean you then have to act on that information and you don't necessarily have to change anything for those people, but it's useful information, I think. So I I wouldn't be a big advocate of never finding out. And I think there are ways to do it. And in fact, I'm deliberating for myself as to whether I put this at the end of my media kit now, just a statement that says, I appreciate that not, I will not best serve everybody. And finding the right coach is really important. If you decide to go with someone else, as a result of this media kit, I'd be really interested to know what it was that didn't resonate and you know nothing personal good luck because I'm interested but what I do know in my process and we'll get to process is I convert most of my inquiries because Mm. my process is very short and I speak to people very early on but we'll get into that so yeah Yeah. so I think it's I think there are cases when it is useful to have that information yeah and there are definitely scenarios where it's not if you've been on a run of hard knocks and you're just getting yourself out the gates or you don't have a good support system in place and you don't think you can handle that kind of feedback, don't solicit it. Do yourself a favour. <laughs> you know. I think the other thing on that is is worth thinking about. Can remember 2007 when I would be following up on everybody and all I was hearing effectively was we're not doing it right now, mm. which is so frustrating it wasn't that we weren't winning the work it was that no one was winning it yeah yeah and that can be really hard you know my instinct was probably well let's do it for less yeah but actually that that was really what they were saying they were saying we're not spending any money at all not that but your instinct you want to get stuff moving and what I found was after three or four months those people were coming back anyway exactly because we were keeping in touch with them but yeah I mean what would you recommend well I think it's exactly that if that's happening it's that's okay I understand it let's continue a relationship I guess I'm thinking more how do you cope with that mindset you can't make them 
and it would be unethical I think to make Mm. them spend money when they're not ready to when it's not financially prudent for them to do that but how do you cope with that when you know people I I do think right now people are information gathering things are taking longer decisions are taking longer than they might now it might be and you need to find that out it might be that you are losing work to someone else whose style's more compelling who offers better value for money who's who whose work is more exciting it, it could be those things mm. but it might also be just that actually we've got to get all our prices in from you know if it's say a wedding all our prices in from all our suppliers and geez we hadn't realized that everything was so expensive now yeah yeah and I think that genuinely is happening and that's where just knowing that and knowing that it's not your fault yeah can give you enough fuel or enough reassurance to to just keep showing up at a high standard maintain the relationship through whatever means you would naturally do that and know that it will come Mm. and we obviously can't feed ourselves on fresh air and that's where making sure you've got a breadth of offering and starting to think creatively about okay well if this if this is a barrier or if they can't afford this piece at the moment what else can i provide that is useful to them that genuinely fills a gap that doesn't mean that they're spending when they don't want to or where they don't need to and maybe it's about chunking products into smaller offerings maybe it's about mm-hmm. giving people a window to pay there's lots of creative ways around doing mm-hmm. it maybe it's around phasing projects rather than doing it all in one hit so I think we can start to get creative, but the the main thing is to keep consistently showing up, doing what you do and letting people know so that when they are ready, and, and we can use that time as well to batten down the hatches and make sure our process is ready for when is everything refined to the degree to which we need it to be? Are mm-hmm. our communications on point? Are we selling the right things? All of that business refinement stuff can happen in the background because what we absolutely must not do is stop doing anything and stick our head in the sand. We have to keep showing up because action drives momentum and that energy starts to create much more of a positive pull towards you when everybody else is, if if other people's energy is waning and their light's getting Mm -hmm. dimmer and or or they're going nuts and hustle, hustle, push, push, push. Mm. You just want to maintain a consistent, a, a high standard, a high quality, and just keep going. Like, we mustn't yeah. stop. We need to keep going. I also think there's a lot to be said for pouring your energy into creativity and really honing your craft at Absolutely. this point. Yeah. Because you're going to look back on this time as a time of opportunity of space and this is going to make your business so much stronger and it's hard when you don't know where the next piece of work's coming from Mm. to indulge yourself in creativity is really tough but actually this is going to be the thing that makes you stand out and this is going to be the thing that draws people in and if you can share that with Mm your newsletter community or your Instagram community or your TikTok community or wherever, if you can stay out of that hustle mindset and and keep in your creativity and your craft, yeah, it's so much more 
sustainable for you and your business, isn't it? Absolutely. And if the opposite choice is to be sitting and worrying and do nothing, then I know absolutely which space I'd rather be in. Yeah, I just that, think, sorry, go on. And applying that creativity to nurturing relationships as well mm-hmm. as just, you know, you know, obviously we're thinking about a lot of the designers and things, and that's really core to be honing your craft. And honing your craft, honing your relationships is, yeah, it's vital. Yeah, totally. Okay. So you mentioned process. Yes. It's a big thing, isn't it? So my experience, I mean, I developed a really solid handling inquiries process from Mm. the ground up from, I think I might've talked about this before in another podcast, but from, you know, selling logos for 99 pounds to thousands and thousands in my design agency and and yeah responding to people's we love your work how much do you charge with you know a paragraph and a price to 10 paragraphs that no one read (laughs) and three different prices to a pdf that I emailed over that grew and grew and grew to now I've got quite a solid handling inquiries process and my experience is that people don't refine this as much as they need to would you agree absolutely yeah and it's the one area where I can make the biggest difference in a tiny period of time with just filling this piece of process for a lot of my clients because you're right they don't they don't refine it and they don't make it beautiful and they don't think it through and it is the area where it's the difference that makes the difference for sure yeah so if we think about someone's mindset they are looking for a coach they're looking for a florist they're looking for someone to help them bring their brand to life the first thing they want to know is how much does it cost and if you just send them back a price they've got no sense of value I mean it's literally just lining prices up against each other and depending on the type of person they are they're either going to go with the cheapest the middle or the most expensive so actually what we need to do is explain why we're worth what we're worth and what value you get when you work with us and actually why you should pick us over anyone else yeah and you can't do that in an email right no not easily not as easily as you could in a beautifully designed media kit yeah and you shouldn't I don't think if you're a service provider provide this information on your website because when people inquire they want to be heard yeah And so if all this information is on your website and they are the kind of person that has read every single line on every single page, they won't feel heard. Hmm. But at the same time, if your minimum spend is £3,000, you really don't need to be speaking to people with a budget of 400 No. So the the great thing about a media kit is it, it cuts out that, well, first of all, it massively streamlines your process because it takes two seconds to respond and say, how exciting that you're getting married. Here's a bit more information about my services. Yeah. I personally would invite people to come back to me rather than me chasing up, but you might decide differently. And I think potentially right now it's worth chasing other people up, Mm -hmm. but it means that you're not wasting an hour in the evening when both parts of the couple are available to to spend time talking about this website this website this wedding or website that you get really excited about only to find out that the budget is a third of what you think it should be yeah 
It's definitely a way to manage expectations. The other piece about just quickly not putting it on the website is it's about moving them closer towards you and starting to get them to a level of commitment. And Mm -hmm. if somebody is just reading something on a website and then making a decision on there, they haven't had to move themselves over any kind of line. They haven't had to step forwards. Mm. The act of having to make an inquiry to say, can I have more information? They've taken a step towards you. So there's a level of permission that's already happened there. And energetically, there's something that happens in that. And so then it becomes a dance versus they're just facelessly looking at other people's (laughs) websites and yes. just comparing that. So there is yes. something very powerful about getting people to step forward because already yeah. in their mind, they've had to overcome something to do that. And then provided they're met well mm. and warmly and credibly, the likelihood is, is you're on a good track. Some people are yeah. just fishing. Some people will just do, I'm looking at 10 different people and I'm comparing. But in my experience, that's not the majority actually. Most people have a level of investment if they've gone to an inquiry stage with you. So then it's about how do you meet them with something beautiful that gets them safely on board? Yeah. And you do a whole thing on me. You've got a whole online course on media kits, haven't you? On actually getting that document itself to work for you. Yes, because there's so, if you're going to do this well, there's so much to think about. So You know, you can go to Creative Market and download a media kit template for 20 quid. Yeah. But the challenge I have with that is not only will it look like everyone else's, but if you don't do the thinking about what sets me apart, what kind of expectations do I want to manage? Where are the flashpoints in my inquiry process but also actually in my client process you know what do I want to mitigate ahead of time what really truly sets me apart if you don't do that thinking you're not going to reach the potential so for me you know there's there's sort of four stages for me in creating a media kit there's the there's the planning the boundary setting the getting yourself focused in on what value do we really add where can we where can we make a difference who who do we want to be winning and why so there's all the planning then there's the structuring the media kit in a way that will win you the most work so media kit is a really stupid name for people call it a slide deck or a presentation but it it answers that question what do you charge and how do you work and what you often see from people, often people don't send one at all. But when they do, what do you see on the second page? You know, first page is the is the is the front cover. Second page is a bio, yeah, or a history about us. And actually, yeah. if we think about that dance that you're talking about, and we think about how you create that connection. You don't create that connection by shaking someone by the hand in real life and saying, let me tell tell you about about myself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Second date not happening. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you can't listen in a PDF document. You can't. You can't say, but you can empathise. You can Mm. talk about the opportunity that they have. You can 
set the scene you can create some excitement you can explain how you work and Mm. so the second part is all of that structuring planning writing in a way that's really going to make sense and then the third stage is designing it well and I really firmly believe that you don't need to be a designer to do that now this is the point where if you want to go download a template on creative market do it but put the thought in first yeah because also if you're working to someone's template and you're working to their words the chances are other people in your industry have done the same well and also you're automatically swallowing a process that they have offered you that may or may not be working for your business yeah, and, and actually, if it's working for someone else's business, by default, I don't think it will work for yours because yeah. the whole point is we need to set ourselves apart. So design and then elevating, polishing, making it as captivating mm. as you possibly can. And you might do this over four days, four weeks, hopefully not four months. We need to turn this around a bit faster. Yeah, yeah. But um, what I tend to find is once I've done one, actually then rolling it out across other offerings is much faster. Yeah, that's the other thing. Don't just think you've done one and done it. For some people, yes, if you've got one offering or one, you know, one service or one mm. product, it might just be one. But I can't think of how many we've done for you so far. I mean, yeah. endless. And this is part of the planning process. And I think, again, gets missed if you just download a template shoehorning everything that you do into one pdf yeah the whole point of a media kit is it's to create clarity it's to create that compelling impulse to buy yeah to get people to say yes and that might be yes to a meeting with you it might be yes to transferring a deposit you know it it depends what it is doesn't it yeah you know i've found myself producing media kits on the fly because of the Nate not on the fly but you know in response to an inquiry because mm. somebody has asked for a very specific area of my work for example like um book coaching or mentoring yeah. yeah and and yes my articulate pdf which does my writing thing could cover that but actually doesn't no and so and I will you know turn that around because I've done quite a few now turn that around mm-hmm. in a couple of hours I would rather do that and know because I know that that media kit presentation of the response is going to land better than a quick email reply. I'll take the time to do that. But obviously, Mm. you and I have been doing these since the dawn of time and it does roll off very quickly. It's it's not easy to do that off the cuff if you haven't experienced it before. So when you've got those moments where your clients are all going crickets and no one's responding to anything this is the time to produce those things so that you're ready and so that you can come out of the gate better to have it than risk an opportunity of delighting at that initial inquiry Mm, yeah yeah and I think the other thing about is it the right process for you is we very carefully need to think and and I know you know we we thrash this out in the media kit course so it does cover all of that but we need to very carefully think what is the media kit designed to do? So yeah. for some people, a media kit will be what they read. They say, yes, you send them an invoice. They're in, they're in, that's it mm-hmm. for other people. So for me, my media kit gets them to a discovery call. The yeah. purpose of it is for them to understand how I work, what the investment is and to just get them to the point where let's talk for 45 minutes. 
And even if someone has emailed me to say, I'd love to have a call with you about how you work, you've been recommended, I will still send them my media kit to say, yeah, absolutely, let's get it in the diary. Here's some more information. Because I want them to have read the value. I want them to have seen the testimonials. I want them to know what the investment is and what the options are on that for them before that phone call. So they're going in with their eyes wide open. Mm. And it really helps you to screen in and out those people that wouldn't be the right fit because of the nature of the way you work or wouldn't be the right fit because they don't have the budget or whatever it is. Mm. It, it works not only about in terms of getting them on board for you, but also screening out those clients that might not be an ideal fit. And that's a really important part of the process because I think when, when inquiries are tight or when client availability is less than it was before, it can be really tempting just to take work or to compromise because you need to fill the diary or you think, oh, I just need to do that. I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm also saying it comes at a cost. And we've said this in previous episodes, haven't we? Um, And maybe we don't want to labor on it here, but there is a potential cost to your confidence, to your creativity, to your ongoing credibility, to your ability to tell the story about that client if you take on a client who's not a great fit or who isn't your ideal versus holding fast and sticking to your guns and staying in your magic. But we won't leave yeah. on too much. And I think even if it's a barter, people need to understand the value of what you're giving them. So yeah. even if it's a barter, even if it's something that you decide to discount in an empowered way because you really want the work and it's going to move your business forwards and you know it's tough right now and it seems like and you've got nothing else to do and you know rather be paid for honing your creativity than doing it for free for argument's sake you know there's there's reasons to do it you need to make sure that your client understands the value yeah of what they've got yeah um if nothing else because you don't need them going around saying fiona's really good and she's really cheap yeah (laughs) And equally, you don't need buyer's remorse either. Exactly, exactly. So I think I personally loathe having conversations about price. Yeah. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Always puts me on the back foot. Always means that I will overpromise, underdeliver, undercharge. Sorry, do I mean that? <laughs> you didn't mean that. You meant overdeliver. <laughs> And undercharge. <laughs> I mean, scratch that. Overpromise, undercharge, overdeliver. Yeah. <laughs> do not over. I think I'm going to leave that in the edit just for fun. <laughs> um. So you know, putting your price in your media kit means that you can thrash that out with someone like Elizabeth, where you can really go. Well, no, this is what I'm this is the value that I'm delivering. It is worth that much money rather than, you know, I I always remember this client years and years and years ago when I had the design agency and Ian had said to me, oh, you know, they're lovely guys and they're starting this business and, and they've, you know, it's a children's brand and this and that. And, and I remember, I think they, they gave us a brief and we did the, did the vision and then they came back and they were like, oh, we've we've been um, we've ordered all the stock and the vision's completely changed. And and I felt sorry for them for some reason. 
and so didn't charge them to redo the vision um, because I felt really bad. Right. And they drove off in their Range Rover to collect their children from private school. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and I was like, what a mug. Because <laughs> I've never had a Range Rover. <laughs> and my kids were not at private school. Oh, and actually, hilarious. it's decisions like that that mean... <laughs> not smart so I think media kits boundaries really really important part of the conversion process the creative confidence they also and let's not overlook this they enable you to get back to people quickly yes exactly. so you know I've lost count of the number of times I've inquired with designers on behalf of a client and it's been six days yeah. before someone's come back to me I mean that is not a reasonable amount of time in anybody's book no. and it starts the you know it starts the process of I think the relationship of on completely the wrong foot yeah well this is really core isn't it if you've done all of that work of creating a beautiful brand you know your product is great and you get someone over the line to actually make an inquiry what happens next has to continue to build and elevate and deepen that trust not destroy it yeah. and and it's very flimsy at that stage they're not safely on board yet no. so every encounter the warmth of it the tone of it the timeliness of it the caliber of it the spelling mistakes in it the whatever it is makes a massive difference mm. at that yeah. at that, at that early stage because they're little seedlings they haven't been nurtured they haven't put down roots with you yet and mm. they may not bear fruit for some time but once you get them rooted, then they're with you. You know, they're in your beautiful garden of potentials. Um, oh, get me with all my metaphors this morning. Look at you. You know, the other thing to just bear in mind as well is think about the long term impact that, that, that how you handle inquiries is having. So mm. one of the things I love about a media kit is it says, this is what we charge. This is why we're worth it. Here's some examples of where we've added lots of value to other people. Mm. And so I love the idea that even if you didn't get the wedding for the floristry this time, generally we go through these points in our lives where everyone's getting married. Yeah. And actually what people tend to do is ask around yes. for a florist, for a dress designer, for a caterer, for a DJ, whatever. So just because the client in this instance has hopefully come back to you, bothered yeah. to come back to you and say, actually, we can't do it. It doesn't mean she isn't saying to her friend or her, you know, his friend, oh, you should look at this client, this person. We loved them. We just couldn't afford them. But I think they'd be perfect for you. Yeah. And the thing that they're forwarding on isn't just your name and number. It's a beautiful media yeah. kit yeah, that yeah, yeah. can get passed around like a newborn baby. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, and it'll hit someone who buys it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit of a long game to this. I know that that's yeah. not helpful if you're worried about how you're paying the mortgage tomorrow. But, you know, these things have a life of their yeah. own. And I think if you can focus on integrity, showcasing value and, and really honing your magic, that is going to stand you in good stead for the long term. And I think the other thing around where it slots into your process and what it needs to do for you using a media kit or not, there will be a lot of people out there that have a tried and tested 
you know, sausage factory approach to running clients through your business. There is no substitution for me of creating an authentic and a unique process that actually works to your skills and strengths. So um, I was talking to a client recently who does a lot of associate work and had got into this habit and this pattern, not really set up by them, but kind of driven by their clients of multiple emails back and forth about different things. Yes, a media kit could solve that, but actually this particular sector might not quite have been right. And what we discovered was as soon as she had a conversation with them, they Mm. would be in. Yeah, And so we just tweaked her process so that before any information was exchanged, really, you know, the, the push was, can we have a conversation? Mm. And by, short, by shortening that process of very many different emails, loads of different information going across, for this particular client, a very brief media kit and a conversation, short-circuited that process, guaranteed a lot more work. And I think if you think carefully about how do you shine most, what is it? You know, you don't have to talk to all of your clients before you work with them. The media kit gets a lot of information and there's an awful lot on your website and your blog. And they've seen a lot of you out there. Mm. I have to talk to my clients before I work with them. And that 45 minute discovery call is a worthwhile investment for me, not least Mm. because if they are the right fit for me, we will always end up working together because the conversion rate is hundred percent yeah but it also means that I can screen them out and that's really really important because if we're not a good fit and if there is a peer colleague a peer coach of mine that can better serve them I would rather they worked with someone who could do exactly yeah. what was right for them than my my coaching confidence and my reputation be damaged by working with the wrong people yeah. or you know other reasons like conflict of interest and those kind of things but back to my point about mm. the process it's it's working out for you in that arm of conversion, in that sort of long tail of conversion, what are the necessary steps and where are you going to shine the most that's yeah. going to help? And if you're not someone that wants to get in the room quickly with someone, then don't put yourself in that situation. You know, don't have yeah. those awkward conversations, cover it off. But the pre-thinking about that is absolutely essential, I think. Yeah, I'd agree. So I guess in a nutshell, we're saying Firstly, is this a need that people are expressing or is it simply that you're noticing less people are buying the stuff that's out there passively? Um, there's a, I think there's a mindset shift between yeah. the two and it's important not to take that stuff personally. Yeah. You know, this is something that's bigger that's going on in the market. Think about the long game. Think yeah. about relationships. Think about showcasing their value and really honing your craft when it comes to people inquiring about a specific product or service it's about making sure that your process is set up in a way that works for you so there isn't really a one-size-fits-all here is there no it's about thinking about what's right for you personally for your clients for what you sell what's appropriate and designing something that is going to maximize how you convert people yeah anything else you would add oh just keep your pecker up everybody yeah And, and I think the very other small thing is sometimes you'll get an inquiry and for whatever reason 
I mean, you have a lovely expression, was it, it you know, it just doesn't smell right, or for me, yeah. it's like it just doesn't feel right. Sometimes, if an inquiry doesn't quite smell or feel right, there's something, it's okay if that doesn't land with you. I yeah. Think that, there is if you stay in your magic if you stay in your authenticity if you get your ducks in a row you will win the work that's supposed to come to you there mm. will be the right people for you if you really are aligned with what you're meant to be doing it it does slot in and yes we have no control about what's happening externally and we've just got to dig deep keep each other positive and and crack on yeah yeah amazing have a good week everyone thank you lovely have a great week thank you lovely fee i'm popping back in here because we mentioned the media kit uh, and i'm not going to let this opportunity go past so can you let people know where to find all of that shenanigans yeah so the media kit mastered course is a four-part self-paced course so i originally did it in it was January 2020 and we did it across four weeks so planning week one writing week two design week three elevating week four and it's now available in its entirety so you can work through it across four weeks or you can you can do it in four days if you want to you can find it on the brandstylistacademy.com and you can link to it from my website and what I'll do is I'll make a nice little code that will give you 10% off until the end of October. So if you use code Stylist, it really will make a big difference too. Yeah, it will. We thrashed it out. Uh, we did all the thinking for you and it, it is incredibly robust. So thank you, lovely Fee. Thank you, lovely listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.